You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Uh, welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and the inimitable Robert Bricky, who has inspired the first segment of this show. Um, so earlier this week... You sent us a, a text. We stay on a group text, and and basically, I don't. We got to figure out a way to harness that and get it out on social media because sometimes you guys crack me up. Um, we we comment on things that are going on in the sports world, political world. Sometimes everything. I, I don't even have to watch sports. I can just watch y'all's thread. Yeah, that back is and forth. sort of a, a fact. But this week, Bricky. Um, sent a selfie that Steve Smith took with him. Uh, he was like, oh, that's Robert Bricky. Let me get a picture yeah, with you, Brick. Uh, yeah. And um, so I asked, what were you and Steve Smith doing? He said, I was at this thing. It was bourbon and, bourbon and blue it jeans. It was uh, Ricky Prohl's golf tournament. Okay. Uh, but five or six years ago, Steve and I were in a taco eating contest to raise money for the sports Athletics in Mecklenburg County. Yes. So, uh, and then you asked me how many I ate in two minutes. I said three, and I was trying to explain. It was way more difficult than I had imagined. But as you were explaining, instead of listening, I just ran and got tacos. Because I can't think of anything better first thing in the morning to do than just gorge myself tacos on tacos. Down and that is the most ironic fundraiser ever. You know, let's raise for this health initiative, sports right. in Mecklenburg County, and eat tacos. Yeah, we're gonna so, eat tacos. Chris, do you think Robert's less less of a man because he only ate three? I don't think it has anything to do with his manhood. And, I think, and, and I think he is still a dainty crying, eater, and uh, he's still kind of whining about it after all these years. Right? <laughs> I, look, Bricky, there are a lot of things physically and athletically that I would never challenge him on. Um, he says he never plays basketball anymore, but I would not step onto the hardwood with him on the other side uh, for fear of being immortalized right. on a poster. Um, I have, however, seen him on the golf course, so I know that there are some things I can do at least a little bit better than he can. And I think right now where it stands in our relationship is this is the tiebreaker. Ah, this is the tiebreaker for now, and I'm sure that he'll come up with something. We'll, we'll end up doing an arm wrestling or tug of war or playing darts, uh, beer pong, something. I was gonna say it's got to be more than three things like it's golf, gotta, basketball, and tacos. It's got that's be. pretty limited. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have a weekly challenge. Weekly challenges. I, I'm I'm all for that because you see. You probably learned about me today that I have a little child in me because you're like, well, you can't do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can. Watch me. Watch this. I wish the people out there could see <laughs> Trent's intensity 
And uh, his setup, he has got a layout, <laughs> some strategery going on here. He does. And I'm a little I'm a little punked out because this this challenge now is twofold. One, you say I love that you were like, well, I only ate three. I bet you can't eat more than five. I don't know how the bar raised from three to five, but I'm going to do five. Well, you said ten. Ten. I I might be able to do ten. I don't know. Um, But the other piece of this is that Trent, and that's why I love Trent. Trent's in. He's all in. So 20 tacos later, we're ready to do this. And before they get any colder, I want you and Brandon to do play-by-play. So I'm going to need somebody to start a clock. And I'm going to take my headphones off. And on your command, Trent and I, in fact, let me get a, let me get a couple reserve tacos. So the bet is reserve more than five tacos. Why don't you go, tacos. Ahead and, go ahead and put those back in the bag, Chris. Yeah. More than five tacos. Yeah. So I, basically I need to do five plus a bite. And, and, and if, if I've watched closely enough on the hot dog challenge, they're, what do they call that? They have a, a term for it other than regurgitate or puke or barf. There can't be any. Yeah, I don't watch this. I stuff see what you Reminence. Yeah, oh, no, I don't. Um, yeah. All right. Are there any other rules that uh, I should well, know about I before just, we undertake? I have a question for yes. both you and Trent. So, what's your strategy on the very first one? Is this one that's just going down in one bite, or are you going to try to. I mean, you only have two minutes. I'm I'm going to do two bites per taco. That's my plan. It's two Mm -hmm. bites per taco. Trent, I think, is ready to go double-barreled and do them two at a time. I don't know. I I, I think Trent participates in some kind of underground (laughs) fight club food competition. His prep is impressive. The way he's got them laid out, now he's doing some stretches. He's doing some exercises. And, boys, that's an awful lot of cheese. I think you're going to be backed up for a it, couple of it's days. Not the, it's not the cheese that concerns me. It's the tortillas because they're heavy. Right. And back in a former life, one day some friends of mine and I, when I was in the Army, went to Shoney's, and we had a pancake-eating competition. Ooh. And that sounded better than it was before. And we called ahead to Shoney's and said, hey, we're going to need a whole – because they had the, the – um, <laughs> all-day breakfast buffet once a week. And we called ahead and said, hey, we're going to make sure – we need to make sure that you have an entire pan of pancakes for us. And they did when we showed up. And we did that, and I remember – oh, my God, I probably ate 20 pancakes. And I was good for about an hour. And then all of that carb just settled, and I've never been so miserable. I'll tell you what, though. Nobody's going to mistake this place for a weight loss clinic because I'm looking around. There's like napkins from Little Caesars. There's like wipes from Buffalo Wild Wings. Now we have Taco Bell strewn all over the studio. All right. So all right. so that we can get this into the first segment, are, are, is the clock ready? All right. Ready. Hey, here's the deal. I, th- I think the bet is, and first of all, never make a bet with a man who's wearing a Texas Longhorn jersey. You know, everything's bigger in Texas. But I think the bet is is that if you can't, what's the bet? What's the number? We, we haven't come up with one yet. Well, how are we going to wait until he's halfway through? we got to come up with a number now. I'm going to win, so, so it's really he, a moot point. I have, we're, we're doing the Eddie Murphy trading places. This is $1. No, $1. I think, I think what you should do is you should sign your Texas Longhorn jersey Sign it and give it to Robert so he can put it up somewhere. Or we put it up somewhere in the studio. 
So if I lose, I have to sign it and give it up. That's right. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's an old that, talking about old army stuff. When we played dominoes, which we used to do all the time, we didn't eat lunch. We just played dominoes. If you lost, you if you got shut out. I don't know if you're familiar enough with dominoes, Bricky. You know enough about dominoes to no. know what I'm talking about. I've seen boys. If in the you hood. went scoreless, no. If you went scoreless and scored zero, you had to write your name on the wall, and it stayed there forever. Oh God! So this is sort of the same principle. I like that. So if I lose, if I do less than five, so I got to sign this we jersey. We need to start a wall of shame. Wall. Yes, is what you're saying. Yes, I like okay. it. All yes. right. All, All right. right. So what if Robert loses? We got to come uh, up with some stakes. I will not lose. If well, Robert loses, here's what here's what has to happen with oh, if oh, Robert oh, loses. Uh, can I Robert has to get his hands on because I know how hard this is going to be and how much it might cost. Robert's going to have to get his hands on one of those um, trading cards from when you were in. You know which one I'm talking about. Oh God! He has to track one of those down so that we can put it on display in the studio. That would be cool. Or. Yeah, I think that's a good one. All I was right, gonna make him wear. Are you okay some, with that, Brick? Yeah. I was right, gonna go see if he'd wear some Carolina gear, but that would that's now we'll save too, that. One. That's, that's too high. We'll save that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, All right, right you do you want a countdown? It's on you. You call it. We some taco eating and ready go. All right, they're off to the races. There are two really big bites, and now they are understanding how difficult this is really is. Now I'm. Right now, Chris is kind of laughing because the reality is sinking in. But Trent, his fa- his game face is real, dude. Yeah, it's real in these streets with Trent. Tr- Trent is one of those quiet, crazy guys, like yeah. where you just don't see him coming. Next we got thing a count you know. going. How many? How many have you put down? Do you on number two? We're on number two on both cases. Number two, slowing right, down we got 30 just seconds a little in. bit. <clears throat> Thirty seconds and only one and a half in. It's not looking good. <laughs> I'm wondering if Ethan's going to get three. <laughs> it's starting to slow down. They're looking at each other. They're looking Four, nervous. 49 seconds. I can't express enough how disappointed Chris looks in him, at his own self oh, right he, now. He, he joyously said, I could eat 10 easily. I have to admit, I thought he'd get to six. He's taking a really large bite. Now he's going to a method where he's holding two tacos at once. But they're not going down any faster. No, they're not. <laughs> Big bite. Let's make sure some of that cheese doesn't drop off of there, okay? No cheating, guys. We'll have plenty of these left over. Trent, how how we doing over there, buddy? Can you talk at all? No. Thumbs up? Good? Come on. <clears throat> huh? 130. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh-oh. Let's see. How many, how many do you have? He's got... He's on his fourth? Is that his fourth right there? All right, he's on his fourth, okay? He's going to have to make a mad dash. And I'm wondering if. Yeah, doesn't look good. That last one's 145. Just gonna, he's just going to shove in his mouth like that. <laughs> he, like I just called it. 150. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Time. Time. <laughs> So how do we do, fellas? Chris. You got about four and a half? Five. You got five. You so got the five. Bet. What about you, Trent? You got four? Four? <laughs> I told you it's a lot more difficult so than you would imagine. Is this a case of Chris losing a step with his eating I think capabilities? So. I think this so. is just not knowing exactly what we're getting into. <laughs> 
Okay, okay, I knew after the first bite that I couldn't do it. I knew it. Because I, of the tortilla, is to, it's totally too... It's too dry. Yeah. So, my point in telling the story... Now, I'll guarantee you, though... Mr. I Can Eat 10 Tacos ran the Taco Bell was... It was it was difficult. I was like I was shocked because I was a little younger then. I ate right. a lot more. Yeah, and it was tough. It looked hard from here. I'm glad I didn't try it. I wish we captured the look on okay, their face but, but on that initial the, bite. Here's the problem, guys. <laughs> I actually started with ten tacos. I ate six and a half tacos. But you y'all see it? Well, One, no, you two, ate it. Three, four. No, you didn't. Three and a bit. Not in two right, minutes. Here we go. One, I haven't eaten anything. Two, three, four, okay. five. Or did they short me a taco? They shorted you. Oh! One, two, let's see. Hey, man, our eyes didn't lie to no, us. No, 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 there it is. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yes, six and a bite. <laughs> I am the greatest eater alive, Joey Chestnut. I'm coming for you, baby. <laughs> Yeah! All right, uh, Trent, what about you? I got four. Okay, four. <coughs> That's respectable. Four. I'm telling you. Would you take that initial bite? Oh, my bite? God, you that think was hard. Gonna cramp? It does not work like that. <laughs> yeah, those tortillas are dry. And it's hard to chew. It is. But and you can't swallow them very well. well no. Let me ask you But you guys are, are fixating on the wrong thing. Yes, it was hard. He did it. But Two, you did it. Three, four, five, six, plus a bite. I win. <laughs> Congratulations. Man, I'm going to pay for that. Oh, We need to do was, the rest of the show outside. Was that, <laughs> was that enjoyable at all, guys? Trent's still eating, though, man. He's, I think he's a long distance. He's more of a marathon guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here, I know you guys are going to have to eat the rest of these tacos. No, I'm not eating any. You're not eating any? No, nah, man. I'll eat a couple. All right. Slide that over to Robert. I'll finish. Oh, my gosh. Time. So, yeah. Woo. Woof. I'd be interested to hear what your ideas are for next week's challenge, since it's a weekly <coughs> challenge thing that Ricky I think came I up with. May have come up with a bad idea. <laughs> there are not Ooh. too many challenges you can come up with that uh, I'm not down for. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on Cheap Seat Radio at gmail.com if you want to hit us up. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio. Great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. That was crazy. Maybe we do a food eating challenge to raise money for some organization. I think well, maybe I'll challenge just a food eating challenge to raise money for child obesity. I like it. I like it. <laughs> or I have I, now that said, I have approached Trent on a couple of occasions about trying to set up a wing eating competition. I think we should make that happen. 
Are yeah. you are you knowingly like this is an idea that's just going to pass, or are you down to do this? <laughs> no, we can do it. Let's do it. Okay. Is it going to be boneless? No. No, it's a whole lot more fun to watch I, people navigate the boneless. I don't trust people who eat bone boneless wings. <laughs> oh, like, we, did, we definitely do the bone-in wings. It's just like people who know I'll have the boneless. That's not how it was, you know, originally. And when we're coming out, that Jimmy V promo, it always makes me think about I got a real quick Jimmy V story. All right. <clears throat> First of all, I met the man himself when I went to NC State camp back in 1983. And he's the coolest guy ever. Like, everything that you hear about him is true. He's just nice. And, you know, most camps you go to, the coach might come in and make an appearance to everybody. He spent five to ten minutes with everybody at that camp, including yours truly. In fact, he got one of his um, ACC champion, maybe it was a tournament ring, made right here in Sanford. He told me that himself. Anyway, I was young, and my brother Brett was – like an infant, and he loves kids. Jimmy V loves kids. And so when my parents came to pick me up, he scoops Brett right up, gives him a hug, starts holding him. Mom's taking pictures the whole night. And he starts to hand Brett back. He's going to kill me for telling him. But he starts, I hear him ask my mom, have, y'all, have you guys been swimming? And she's like, no. And he's like, did you spill a drink in the car or something? And he's like, No. And he slowly came to realize that my brother Brett had just peed all over him. <laughs> True story. And so I can say Jimmy B, the legend, actually was nice enough to hand Brett back instead of just dropping him like a ton of bricks after he got peed on. But one of the f- funniest things in my life, great experience, though, and truly miss you know Jimmy V. I'm a little hurt <coughs> that I knew the first half of that story, the part where – you, he told you that his national or his national championship ring was made right here locally in Sanford, North Carolina. I think it was I had not ring. heard the addenda to that story about Brett peeing on him. That's and pretty tr- cool. True story. I went ten for ten and beat Derek Wittenberg in a free throw contest, and that poster I got as a result. Nice over there on the wall. True story. Wow. Any other uh, reminiscing you no, want to do I mean, about this? No, it's just every time no, I hear a cool that story. promo. That's a cool story. Um, how do you think Dean Smith would have reacted if Brett peed on him? <laughs> Honestly, don't know. <laughs> Smoked a cigarette. We should uh, take Brett to Dean's uh, grave and have him pee on him. Oh, God. We're Man, that's that that's was, a little dark was, right there. Wow. Yeah. You See how guy, he reacts. You give so, a guy you know, some it, Taco it, Bell. He tacos. Man, give a guy some body chemistry's off. Yeah, give somebody six tacos before ten a.m. in the morning, and seven they start. now. I've eaten seven. This seven. is not oh. reflecting well on Taco Bell. <laughs> Man, so what did they look when you went and picked that up and you ordered like twenty tacos? Did they look at you weird and well, say, the, "Bro"? There were a couple things that happened. First of all, yes, they did look at me as if I was weird. The second thing, though, is I was really feeling confident. Until they told me to pull up in front of the door and I had time to reflect on a little bit. And then the girl comes out the door and she had to carry the bag with two hands. Mm. That concerned me a little bit. And then when she passed it to me, I was doubly concerned because I realized that is a lot of food. However, when I pulled up into the parking lot, I realized, oh, well, there's a bunch of sauce in there too. 
So I felt pretty good about it. Um, you know, just had to, you know, stay in the moment, um, take it one taco at a time. And <laughs> would you actually – Is that coach speak? Yes, sir. Is it, would it have been better if you had applied the sauce? Are you a sauce guy? Or oh, I'd, if I was eating them without – you know, outside of the confines of this little competition we just conducted, definitely. I am a fire sauce guy when it comes to Taco Bell. Yes. I think the next one should be Sanders Donuts. No. <laughs> just the look on y'all's faces would no. be so awesome. No, no, that's you and Brick going to have to do donuts, man. No, I'm kidding. And, in fact, it was – it was na- you know it was National Donut Day last week. Are you a Krispy Kreme guy or a, a Dunkin' guy, Trent? Uh, probably more a Krispy Kreme. Brick? Dunkin'? Yeah. They have a place in Fayetteville called Duck Donuts. Now, Duck, in the triangle, they did a big poll, and Duck actually beat um, Duncan. Okay. So Krispy Kreme was the favorite. Duncan Donut, Duck came in at about 30%. I've been to Duck's Donuts. It's good. Have you had the one with the bacon on it? Yes. Oh, I absolutely that have. That is amazing. Have you, you're familiar with Duck's Donuts, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Duck's. I, I still See, I'm not a cake donut guy. I am a hundred percent. See, I'm not. I don't. I don't like the cake. Duck is good, but it's it's a cake donut. Yes, it's the best donuts I've ever had, probably in my life, are Sanders Bakery. Yeah, I mean, they're good. Donuts are like, I think, uh, in a f- probably a two or three hour span at work, I ate fifteen donuts. No, you did not, because they're just sitting there. Oh my god! And I'll I eat them like you. potato chips. We have actually at the restaurant. We actually have a dessert that we rotate through. And we take Sandra's maple glazed donut and top it with Yarborough's butter pecan ice cream, who's another local vendor. Yarborough's mm-hmm. ice cream is peerless, and we top it with candied bacon. Mm-hmm. We call it Bacon Me Crazy. Oh, nice. I like that. I will tell you this. I was working. I used to work for a software company in Raleigh, and the first week I worked there, I won the Super Bowl pool, and I didn't want to be the new kid who raked in all this cash, right? It was like 200 bucks. So I bought the whole company, Sanders, and brought it in. They had never heard of Sanders. Mm-hmm. Till this day, they bring it up, either on Facebook. My boss then, um, he was actually fraternity brothers with Adam Silver. So it could be that even Adam Silver of the NBA knows how awesome Sanders Donuts is. Well, they that's made- one of the staples. Of the downtown in Sanford, North Carolina, Sanders Bakery. Remember when there was whispers of it closing down and what chaos ensued, like when they said they might close down? I mean, I was I was feeling ill because the, just well, the, the thought of it closing down. I'm trying down. to figure out. I've made numerous trips to Sanford, and I've yet to hear about these donuts until now. Mm. Well, we like to have your. We I, like I think to get that to know shows your level of care and concern for me, right there. <laughs> don't you have to? We, we have do to liquor you up in the mornings on demand. So we we have to. You have to. It takes some time to work your way into the Sanders Sanford Club, correct? Chris? Well, he's there now. He is. You're there. He's I there. mean, you're hearing about so it. So we'll, we'll we will definitely definitely get you some Sanders donuts to. No, I'm going when I leave here. Okay. Yeah, I'll take you over there. Nice. It's over right beside Hugger Mugger, so you were close at one point. Wow. So I don't think that you guys know yet because it just happened, but uh, Serena Williams out of the French Open. Pectoral injury. Sure. The the thing for me is is that Maria Sharapova gets a W. Did they even play? No. Oh. She's out. Serena quit. She's got an injury to her arm or her pec. There are conflicting reports. 
But one way or the other, she is out. Sharapova gets the W. You realize Serena had beaten her 18, 18. straight times. Yeah. I think Sharapova eight. hadn't beaten her since she was like 17 years old. And now like, Sharapova gets into the quarterfinals. Wasn't it like 18 out of 21 and then it was 18 in a row? Something like that. It's ridiculous. But can you imagine the the reason I don't feel bad about her getting this W? Can you imagine what's Serena rate ranked right now? Her seeding. She's in this, not. Her seeding in this tournament. Can you imagine Sharapova going? You know, you you expect to play a certain low or high seed, whichever way yeah. you want to look at it, and then Serena shows up on your card. That's not fair. Well, you know, so I don't. Serena's I don't feel been bad. out for like. Two years. Yeah, year and a half, year and three quarters, something like that. Some ridiculous time. She had a baby and uh, has been out. Now she's out with the arm injury. It's funny because you asked me via text the other day if Djokovic might be the David Duvall of tennis. Have we seen the end of Serena? That may be the question we need to ask as we move forward. But the second piece of this is is that the fact that Sharapova can get past Serena Williams under these circumstances means that there may still indeed be hope for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because yeah. maybe Steve Kerr and the Warriors <laughs> just mail it in. They're like, not we quit. We're not going to play. Yeah. yeah. I think unless Golden State gets one big pectoral injury, th- that's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I didn't seriously think it was going to happen, Brandon, so I'm glad that you clarified that for me. Well, uh, you I, know, LeBron is the greatest player on the planet. He and is the greatest player ago, on the planet. You know, we had people here proclaiming that no matter what, he could do it. So it ain't How, over until the, they lose four Trent, games. Here's, you're, you're, the, you're the research guy. Yeah. So as I'm speaking here, I want you to look this up. Yeah. What were the combined scores of the first two games in the Cleveland-Boston series? Because I'm just interested to know, you know, because what they win by 21 and 10, so they're 31 point deficit combined in the two first two games with Golden State. It sounds about right. Mm-hmm. What about the first two games in Boston? I think it's it was probably about the same. I think it was even more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were all ready to pronounce. LeBron James dead and gone. However, and before anybody says anything, I understand Golden State and Boston, two entirely different animals. Yeah. But. For now. First of all, look at game one. I don't want to sound like Brandon Atkins on this one, but I will on the other side of the break. You're listening from the Jeep Seats in Sanford, North Carolina. Thanks for hanging out with us. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. 
Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. I'm not. M2. I'm not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. See, if I'd have had that intro prior to the tacos, I'd have done like an 11. I, I believe no, you have no it. Yeah, I would have done four. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm texting Kobayashi, and I'm going to have him come on the show. Two minutes is not a long time. Though. What you need to be doing is texting a baseball and football card shop down in Fayetteville and finding one of those Robert Bricky Duke cards, right, which are really cool. Today. I did find one on eBay a long time ago. It was expensive. Really? Oh, it really was. Because there can't be that many of them floating around in, right. in great condition. Robert, but I, he's, but I, I, I see, I know, though, that somewhere he's got a stash. No. You don't really? I See, I would. That's why the would, difference. Yeah, why wouldn't you have a stash of cards? I mean, I was 20. Yeah, I know, but it's it's all these years later. That one's expensive. And, Robert, I didn't mean to sound so exci- uh, surprised about that. That's pretty – That's well, how much was it again? It was uh, the one that I saw, and I didn't look that long and hard. The one I saw, what did I tell you? It was one hundred and thirty dollars, something like that. You'll find one. Woo! He's got he, he's got a hookup, and if he doesn't find one, we'll still be friends. We're right. David Kaplan in the house. Cap. Hey, you you have a basketball card worth one hundred and thirty dollars. <laughs> you know what? I set the market. I go out there and bid it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come with Sanders Donuts. That's right. Gentlemen, I want to tell you, and, and I know this is this is very Brandon Atkins-ish, but the Cavaliers are facing two opponents in the playoffs thus far. The officiating's been horrible. And the Cavaliers have gotten the short side of of a lot of these calls. Game one, there's the the charge that everybody's still talking about that was reversed. It's it's really kind of nonsense, and it's even got the NBA at this point. They've announced now that in the Las Vegas Summer League, they're going to try a coach's challenge for foul calls, which is a stupid idea. It's stupid in football. It's even stupider in baseball. 
But you see, Brandon, that's, right that's there. That's bad radio, but I did Google it. It, it. it exists. I told you it did. I didn't make it up. Adolescents carry you. Look at He's crossing somebody up. Yes, Look he at is. That. That's right. He is. I invented a crossover. Well, <laughs> without Gore. Yeah. yeah. Now I lost my train of thought. I, Bricky, so, I hey, didn't know. You, you I'm going to wind ahead about that to the Wikipedia page. <laughs> I'm going, when we get done here, I'm going to edit his Wikipedia page and say Robert Bricky invented the crossover, and that's yeah. going to become a thing. It is. So let's talk that's about That's a the, true statement, huh? That's right. Okay. When exactly did this happen? 1975. <laughs> I was in the backyard. If you think, does, <laughs> hey, while you're on the, does does Brick have a Wikipedia page? I'm sure that he does. Yeah. He probably doesn't I even know. I don't think so. I've look. You've never looked, I'm no, sure, because you are, in all honesty, you are a very humble man. He doesn't have one. He doesn't have no. one. Oh, my God. That will not do. You're going to have I'm one sorry. after today. Well, we need to start one. I'm shocked that you don't have one. We need to put some one. facts on there. Oh, yeah, we'll get some facts. Because when but, I was looking up if he was the coach at the uh, that high school. Yeah. He, he only has, like, collegiate sites that get Googled. Oh, Brick, no you're going to have a Wikipedia page by the end of the day. And it will say <laughs> at some point on that Wikipedia page that you invented the crossover. Are you going to say that Robert's <laughs> daddy is Chris DeLambert? No, you I'm just... not going to say anything. Like, it, will be, it will be 100% factual. It will be professionally done. It will be good to go. You, you will have one. So l- let's talk about the charge for just a second. Like, because it's got some t- age on it, and I know it's been – beaten to death but you make a good point vegas is going to experiment with the challenge rule yes because what happened is that after the i thought right call was made I on agreed. the charge i thought lebron got there all of oracle and steve kerr is in the ref's ear going look at it just look at it look at it i think the league's doing the right thing about maybe experimenting with like a challenge it won't be a flag like the nfl but if you have your cha- if you want to challenge something, you can't just go bark in the ref's ear because that was home cooking at its best. Um, and I think that's what I mean. Honestly, is going to cost the Cavs this entire series. I, that, that I call. agree with you that that being able to bark into somebody's ear, get them to really use uh, to really twist the rules around. What is reviewable is whether or not the defender's in the protected area. Yeah, but the refs and then the refs are the ones that said we got to review that. That is normal. There is nothing irregular about reviewing whether or not the player got out of the restricted zone. But there, for the refs nothing, to think that he was in the restricted zone, that's asinine. That's really. But I don't. I don't think it was Kerr barking in the refs' ear. I mean, from everything that I've heard, he. I'm sure he did because they bark in their ear all the time. But for them to think that he was in the res restricted zone. No, that's where it Nuts. really gets questionable. Nuts. Is if you look at it, it's a bang-bang play. I can say, Brandon can say that LeBron got to the spot. You could, it's a judgment call. And that's the problem with challenging. And it's bang-bang, but it wasn't a horrible charge call, to say the least. I thought it was a charge. Brandon thought it was a charge. A lot of people thought it was a block. But here's the issue, is that the referees used... The review, based on the fact they said, well, we're looking to see if he's in the protected zone. He wasn't even close. Well, he started in the – he had half of his left foot was in the restrictor on the line when the play started from the video. But the problem is, is – <laughs> But he ended four feet behind. The ref with the best angle on the call 
started to call a charge, looked at the ref at half court. How he, What he saw, I have no idea. How you can see the feet through uh, Kevin Durant, I don't see how you can see a blocking call there. But then they had they communicated for a split second. Then he gives an emphatic charge call. Yes. So it, And then they talk themselves out of it. Then they go over there to the scorer's table where Steve Kerr is like four feet away going, look at that, look at look, his feet. You know, I mean, come <laughs> on, I mean, get out of here. Well, and and that was not the only bad call in that game. And, and it's gone both ways. It's just been bad officiating. But But in game two, in the first quarter, the officiating really put the Cavaliers behind and had them fighting uphill. Kevin Love could not get a call in the paint. Twice he was fouled in the post, clearly. Both times, Golden State went down and within five or six seconds converted and got buckets. So instead of Love shooting free throws, you've got layups on the other end. And then you had a couple out-of-bounds plays that were egregious and missed by the referees. And when you're talking about the – you don't have a whole lot of wiggle room if you're Cleveland here. Cleveland's probably going to win – probably going to lose this series anyway. But to see the game be over-officiated and badly officiated like that, it's really disappointing. And we have the same conversation all the time with the NFL. Well, they should be full-time, you know, referees, whatever. Just do your job. And don't be the focal point. At the end of game one, I understand what the referee thought he saw, but look what all of that led to on a phantom elbow call from Tristan Thompson. It, it's just ridiculous. And the referees, we should not be in the middle of the NBA Finals talking about the referees. Well, it's ridiculous, and it's disappointing. On that play, uh, on the phantom elbow, should they have reviewed that? And overturned it. Now, in my opinion, that would have been the right call to overturn that because that was so bad. And then, like you said, it led to a whole series of events. But and the, well, the problem with the rev- with a review on that is that everything got so heated so quickly before there was a chance to review. The fact that Tristan Thompson shoved the ball into Draymond Green's face, balled his fist up, may or may not have thrown a punch. All of that stuff was was spurred by the fact that. Because there was a, 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 a an ejection made immediately, that was, I think was the problem. Right. The call, yeah, maybe you should be able to review the call, but before you make an ejection on a play like that, go look and see if you right. if you saw what you thought you did. I thought that was standard operating procedure. I thought it, unless it's very obvious, punch elbow. They need to review it to see if it's a flagrant one or two. Well, I think which from the standpoint of where that ref was, because there was replays on TV that on one angle, it looks like he came it, it in really straight did. with his, his elbow. And on the other angle, you could tell he didn't. Yes. So the ref was standing on that angle. So he called the flagrant two and ejected him. The NBA has gone back and changed it to a flagrant one. And then the ball in the face, they find uh, and, and Mr. Kardashian, $25,000. That was the right thing, Mr. Kardashian. That's I a like $25,000 well spent, by the way. Well, uh, well spent doesn't. Hey, he should have. Can I broke like his nose? Barkley. I want to hit him in the face, too. Yeah, okay. I think everybody in America does. I'm going to add insult to injury. <clears throat> not only does Robert not have his own wiki page, but Henrik Rodel does. Come on. And Chris Lang does. We Wikipedia. will rectify that. We you will need rectify to get, that today. But when you Google, I will say this though for you: 
When you Google Robert Bricky Wiki, <laughs> it comes up North Carolina Mr. Basketball. There so you there go. you go. There you go. I will invest an hour today and I will build you a Wikipedia page <laughs> that you deserve. And I mean that honestly. I, I am. I am stunned that you don't have a Wiki, Wikipedia. Page. Your whole he, life, buddy, is going to take me an hour. But if he, you really don't <laughs> think that I'm going to put Robert Wiki like invented the crossover, Mason that means so we need to come up with a hashtag for that. That's my new favorite hashtag: Bricky invented crossover. Okay, I'm about to make you cry. Will Graves has his own Will Wiki. Will Graves does. I don't think on Brandon. Robert's, I don't think Brandon page. watched the game yesterday because all he's doing is googling all these guys. On, in front on of Robert's Ricky. page, it'll say Robert once ate three tacos <laughs> and whined, whined about it for like five years. He oh, is. that's going on there too. By the way. He is uh, confusing whining with explaining. Gotcha. He ate three tacos for charity. That's right. I did it for charity. I, you are full on. You're going to regret having a Wikipedia page. Very <laughs> so the soon. only thing I'm going to say about game one, okay? This is say it. it. The referees were horrible. Yes. They missed a lot. of. J.R. Smith had probably the stupidest brain fart in the history one. of sports. This is the only thing that I really didn't like. You have a horrible game. The refs are against you. You are the leader. You are the captain. I don't think LeBron should have gone to the bench, secluded himself from the team, pouted, and looked like such a dejected fool when you have five more minutes to win this game. And he totally shut down and acted like a little... It was a, It was almost... He, he took himself out. So if he's my leader, you know what would have happened if Peyton Manning... His wide receiver had a fumble. Peyton Manning would have got on there and kept on going. They had five minutes to win that game. The whole game was a disaster. They deserved probably to win. The referees blew it for him, yes. and their own team blew it for him. But he can't act like that. You know, I'm going to sh- I'm going to shock you and totally agree. I mean, LeBron, he can't act like that. It was it was the same thing, and I want Brandon's spin on this. Thank you, Brandon. It's I the same type thing that we have absolutely filleted. Cam Newton for when things get bad and this obviously was bad it was horrible and Jay Cummins career has been ruined for it you know got to rise above I want your thoughts Brandon it it disappoints me to the point I wish the Celtics had beaten them because I wish the Celtics would have beaten them and played against the Golden State Warriors because they you wouldn't see that from any of them like you know I'm a big LeBron fan but if you're going to go over there and cry like a baby your whole team feels that, like yeah. the, the ripple effect of that. He wouldn't one even talk to J.R. Smith, dude. A leader would have boosted him up. You know what? I'm sorry to do this too. Michael Jordan would have cussed the dude out, got pissed off, went into overtime, and scored 40 more points to win the game. You might well be right. We'll hey, talk about it a little bit more on the other side. Kaplan's got some golf for you. Keep on hanging on. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. 
If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seas. We're talking about the NBA Finals right now. We're going to cover some college baseball. We're talking a little golf. Uh, I don't know what else we're going to talk about, but I you don't know this. Stanley Ricky. Cup. Yeah, we yeah we need to talk about uh, the Caps going up two one on Vegas. But Bricky, this was an ill advised stunt that was done on radio today. Um, there is another ill advised period of time over the weekend in my life. And I almost called you to see if you wanted to go do this with me. And I was like, I'm not going to waste my dime. <laughs> my wife, she tricked me. And she says, I, anybody that knows me knows, I don't remember some things. Um, she signed us up for a 5K mud run. Sort of warrior challenge, Spartan run, right. that type situation. And she says that months ago she asked me, do you want to do this? And in that instant, I, sure, I guess is what she says that I said. I don't recall saying this. But on Friday night, she's like, hey, remember, we got to go do that mud run in the morning. And I was like, are you kidding me? And then I pretended, well, I, I would have, like, trained and got ready. And she just looked at me, and I was like, no, I wouldn't. How do you train to run through mud? Okay, well, let's exactly. back up. Let's back exactly. up. Exactly, yes. <laughs> what really happened here is your wife can tell you things mm-hmm. and really not get, have gotten an answer or even discussed it. And then the day before, she could tell you, remember that thing from six months ago? That's exactly the moral of this story. Yes. Yes, she can, and she does. Okay, she's And I think woman. this is probably one of those instances. But, but if I'm you do get the reverse... There's no way. Oh, dude, no. She'd be like, you no. absolutely she, did she, not she, tell Brandon, me. Brandon knows this. My wife this. does that. Brandon knows this. He knows this from experience. My wife will bail on a situation like in the driveway on the way to it. And be like, ah, change my mind. I'm going to do this. And there is no guilt. There is no protesting. There is nothing that is going to be effective because my wife will look at me quickly and tell me, I'm a grown-ass woman. And that's the end of the conversation. Right. I like yeah. it. And and Brandon, is that or is that not? Is Ned, that true? Nedge don't play. She doesn't play. <laughs> she and, she and, doesn't play. And she. It's funny that she used the. These aren't the droids you're looking for <laughs> on you. And like, mine screwed you to the point that you actually felt like you signed up for a mud run. So. I know for the next hour or so, you're trying to think of that moment. Did we really have this conversation? Oh. 
There is no doubt that we didn't have that conversation. <laughs> but we did go do it, and it is recorded in pictures, and I did make it through. And every time I do something like that physically at this point in my life, I'm a couple years younger than you, but not young enough where I'm like, I'm still in a lot better shape than you. Right. But every time I do one of these things, I'm like, God, that was fun. I ought to do this again next weekend. And then tomorrow comes. Yeah. (laughs) Fellas, my back hurts so bad I can't even see straight this morning. (laughs) I woke up this morning and thought something has to change in the next hour because I couldn't walk upright. I was tilted forward at about a 30-degree angle. My back hurt so bad. So no, I'm with you. Like I'm, I mean, playing, I'm playing with pain. I'm with you. I went and tried to do my workout that I was doing a year and a half ago because I, st- I just quit lifting weights. And I woke up the next day in a fog, and I got up, <laughs> and I thought I had been stabbed a thousand <laughs> times with a thousand daggers in my body, and I'm like, God. I can't just quit cold turkey and try to lift what I used to lift. See, and that's what I just thought, too. I mean, I know my stomach is really resilient and they're a fighter. But right now, dude, it's dragging after those seven tacos I just ate. You know? The the advice that's hidden in here is to those of you out there that are under the age of about 35, God, you need to enjoy it. Yeah. Because it doesn't get any better. And when I hear my kids, I have all these kids that are in their early 20s down through their teenage years, and they talk about being hurt or sore or tired, any of those things, and I want to punch them. I have seven children, some of whom I love a lot more than others at any given time based on how much headache they're causing me. But any one of them that says that at this point in their life, I just want to throttle them. That was so funny. I was talking to Chris yesterday, and he goes, "Now nah, I'm not about to mow this grass. I'm going to get my son to mow it. And he says, let me tell you something. Let me. This shows you how often this guy mows our grass because he just walked out with flip-flops and the socks on. <laughs> and Brandon told me, that needs immediate attention. I'll talk to you later. But I'll tell you, here's another public service announcement to all you kids out there, maybe 10 and under, maybe 12 and under. Eat everything that you possibly can. Oh, God, yeah. Eat it and enjoy it. And like, if, you, if somebody gives you grief about how unhealthy it is, eat double. Eat double up. Because there's going to become a time when you can't eat six tacos before t- – wait. <laughs> no. The difference is is that I ate those six tacos and I put on like six pounds. Right. So, yeah, now I have to fast for a week. Now, now we need some mud run. I'm the only one that's 50 in here, right? I'm so, close. Now, have you had those examples where you just wake up and something hurts, but you don't remember what you did? My ankle. Yeah, it's like, why does my side hurt? That, I didn't do anything yesterday. There are, there are times. It's, it's funny because I do something now, and my wife compliments me for it, and I do it out of habit now. I have to put something on my feet in the morning. I have cushioned Nike slider slippers mm-hmm. and my ankles are so tender in the morning sometimes after having had a good night of sleep right that i can't walk barefoot without pain <laughs> that's not cool that's not good no i'll tell you another thing you had me thinking about you know honeydew lists and stuff yes the reason you don't want to mow the grass 
is because you get no cred with your significant other, right? No. The only time it even it's even an issue if it gets high, then you're a loser, right? The grass right. gets high, then you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's why, you know, like cutting the grass, stuff like washing the car, the older I get, the less I want to do it because – if you're doing something for your significant other, you want to build something and say, hey, look, this yes. didn't exist. Now it, because of me, it exists. Yeah, you, and the grass is just going to grow back. Yeah, you get more credit. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? I, 100%. I, I get credit for putting away the dishes without being told, but I don't get credit for mowing the yard. It's expected. Yeah, we don't, we don't have many hero moments. No. No. So day-to-day stuff, no credit. It's very rare that you actually get a hero moment. But this this is for the ladies out there. And this you guys have bear with me through this story. When I was in Bosnia, I spent an entire oh. year, an entire year in Bosnia, 1995. <laughs> Listen though, this is this is for real. When I was so, in Tripoli. Wait, wait, wait a minute. This is this is an important bit of information for the ladies out there. We any reading material was at a premium when we were in Bosnia. We were out there. We would work 8, 10, 12 hours a day. We didn't have any TV. We didn't have any radio. We didn't have anything. So DVDs, CDs, and magazines were at an absolute premium. Maxim had just come out at the time. And when an issues of Maxim came through, we would read them cover to cover to cover. I mean, there was just nothing to do. Yeah, for the articles. No, I'm, I mean, come on, man. I mean, it's not, you know, Maxim is Maxim. But literally, there was nothing to do. So we would read these. Now, one of the magazines that we used to get shipped to us was Cosmo. And over the course of time, once you were through Maxim and Sports Illustrated and whatever the case might be, you might find yourself reading Cosmo. And I'm here to tell you, I read an article in Cosmo back in 1995, and it said how to keep a man. And I read this and I'm like, let me see what the other side is thinking. Let me do some psychological warfare and see what kind of advice they're getting from these publications. And the whole article, the subtitle was treat your man like he's Superman. And it said, when he does something for you, compliment him. If something breaks in the house, even if he isn't qualified to fix it and he'll mess it up, Take it to him and make him feel like he's qualified and do it. And if he has to call somebody eventually, that's fine. But you have to continually gas him up. Because here's the thing, ladies. All men are codependent. If you want to know how my day is going, don't ask me. Ask my wife how her day is going. Because if she's having a good day, I'm having a great day. That's exactly right. So you know, that's my advice to women. Pump these guys up. Blow sunshine at them. So we get... Nedge is a therapist, right? She is. So my girlfriend's a therapist, too. So we get we have a diagnosed is what happens. And what she says is when she's working with people, you know, she I won't go into too much depth because it's kind of depressing. But (laughs) what she says is, is the one true thing that all men want is to be productive. Like, but. If the productivity's there and nobody recognizes it, it's as if it never happened. It never happened. happened. And men are really simple creatures. Like, I mean, I don't know how we became an episode of The View here, but but we're real simple. We only need a handful of things, and we all know what they are, right? Yes. Yes. 
And you, ladies, tacos. you need to understand, tacos. men are codependent. And everything that's going on in our lives is relying on what's going on with you. Because all we want you to do is not fuss. And just look at it as if I have a boxer named Cooper. When I get him out, he's got his own room. He All he wants is to be petted. That's all he wants. Right? That's all he's I happy. want. Just pet me. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue and you can use like anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, welcome back to the second hour from the cheap seats. Um, I'm not even sure what we've talked about in the first hour, so the second's probably going to be better. I don't know. Kaplan is here to contribute golf, so that's yeah. we got that going for us. Before, I, before we get into that, though, I want to talk about what's going on. WBLZ, where we have been from the very beginning with them for the last year and a half, we were one of the we were one of the first shows on that network, and it grew to the point. I didn't even realize this. I was looking at the numbers because they send reports out weekly. We were up to 1.2 million listeners a month on WBLZ as a as a network, not us. It'd be a whole lot cooler if we had a 1.2 million, but 1.2 million listeners per month were tuning into WBLZ. However, they have folded up and have decided they're not going to do this anymore. There is a collection of about 18 of the shows that were on WBLZ that will be standing back up. Um, it will be the Ironic Network, I-R-O-N-I-Q. In the next couple weeks, the platform is up and running. We will be right there in that 9 o'clock Wednesday time slot that we have with WBLZ all that time. So we're up. And we're good. We also did you explain our track record? Because this is the this is the second network that we killed. <laughs> yeah, Buffalo. One. The, yeah, Buffalo Sports, man. And you know, I really it's funny. Not and this is no bash against WBLZ, but WBLZ was looking for all this original content. We like to think our show's pretty doggone good, and there are some awesome shows on WBLZ, but in their effort to come up with 24-7 original programming, there was some pretty crap shows on WBLZ. Well, the funniest thing they ever said is when you told me the reason we knew we we wanted to bring you guys on is because we heard your first show. Yes. And it was literally so bad, and you showed so much progress 
in a short amount of time, we knew that you guys would continue to get better. Robert doesn't know. That is exactly what happened. They uh, they found us, and it was about six weeks after we started, and they had listened to the most recent show, and they went back into our archive, and they looked at the first one, and they were like, yeah, you guys have grown so much in that six weeks, <laughs> which really is a way of saying those first couple weeks were brutal. <laughs> they were rough. It was kind of like, so – what do you think about Alabama football, <laughs> Chris? <laughs> yes, but we were having fun, and we really, we really thought we were doing something too. After the first few weeks, we were like, "Dude, we're killing it!" Damn, Patrick ain't got nothing on us. It was, it was rough, man. But the big thing, and I think, and and people wonder sometimes how we end up with taco eating contests on the air. Um, when we started this, Brandon, I'll tell you, Trent, you remember it was very regimented. We would have an outline and come in, and we have pages and pages of notes. And if you go back and listen to those early shows, you hear us flipping through pages and trying to find stats. And then we just decided all these facts, they don't matter. We don't. We're not concerned about facts. No innuendo. Facts. Nah. Yeah, innuendo, rumors, rumors speculation. speculation. That's what we operate Lies. in. Pronunciation yes. of names. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. T.J. McCollum, Connell, <laughs> McDonald, McDouglas. We know yeah. who we're talking about. We do. And you'll probably figure it out too. And if you don't, that's cool. <laughs> Stick around and wait for us to eat tacos again. Do you think um, oh. any of those three guys that were in the playoff and Memorial have wiki pages? Yes. They I'll probably start. do. But here's here's what I will the, – the observation I will make. My wife and I, she watches golf only, only because she loves me. Right. Because I'll flip through. And I, I, I ration my golf and my baseball. Football doesn't bother her. Basketball, she's good with. She even check out some hockey – She's good. When baseball comes on, the tick, the the inner clock starts. Golf is the same way. There's only so much she's going to take for she just either says something, changes the channel, leaves the room, whatever. Maybe you make her watch some. That's why she wants to watch all the shows about the wives killing their husbands. It's because you subject her to baseball. I, I I do want to make this observation, and there's a reason I'm talking about her. Is is we've talked a lot about the growth of golf. And the demographics associated with golf. And she made the observation this weekend that was a little biased and stereotypical. But I think it's fair. And I think Dave can prop this up for me or kill it based on whether or not it's true because I don't know. But she said, oh, that's one of those guys. When Bryson DeChambeau won the memorial this weekend – the assumption was, oh yeah, that's one of those kids. He he's a little different. He uh, designs and does his own golf clubs. Golf yeah. clubs. He's very scientific. Yeah, but what we're talking stuff. about is not the science. Involved. Oh yeah, I we're know. assuming I that know. this kid went to, to private school and you know had a private coach. Well, he went to SMU. Um, you know, I don't. It's not Stanford. I, I, I don't know. He, SMU ain't cheap, buddy. Well, is I he understand. a country club kid? Probably. Be, I, That's I, the probably. assumption. That's the yeah. assumption. Like the and they're not trying champion, to disparage country club kids. The player championship guy we all said was that. Well, yes, well, well, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Well, he, he's really interesting guy. He's the fifth player to win both the NCAA championships and the USAM in the same year. So, I mean, that's pretty elite company. you got Jack Tiger, uh, Ryan Moore, and Phil Mickelson are the hmm. other four to have done that. He's the third player – in history to win the NCAA championship, the U.S. Amateur, and the Memorial. So who were the other two? 
Tiger, Tiger, Jack, and Jack. So that's pretty elite Teamwork. company. And I think we need to give some uh, love to Jack. You know, I talk about stats to Tiger, about uh, Tiger stats all the time. Jack had 18 major wins. That leads everybody. He finished second 19 times. Top five 56 times. And he was in the uh, top 10 74 times in majors. Okay. Let, let me let me let me say something. Most golfers get, don't play before 74 you, Before you get too far down that rabbit hole, right. I want to say something about Jack. Now, first of all, where'd Jack Nicholas play college golf? Ohio State. What the Ohio okay. State. The University. Ohio State. Okay. He just I, I love I love <laughs> some Jack Nicholas. Okay. But there are two things I want to say. First of all, when he was playing, it was kind of like Bill Russell playing for the Celtics. You know, finishing top ten at a major I mean, there was a definite hierarchy in golf. So, I, and that's not taking anything away because, like you said, most players don't play 74. The other thing, too, though, is at the end of the tournament yesterday, Bryson DeChambeau was clearly starstruck when he got a chance to go talk to Jack Nicholas as the winner of Jack's tournament. And they had their little pleasantries. And then Bryson DeChambeau backed up off of him, then got his nerve together. And came back to Jack and was like, hey, sir, you know what was funny? And started to tell him a story and draw an analogy between his first win on tour and how he got an exemption there and then won the tournament. And then between getting an exemption for the memorial and winning that tournament, and he's breaking all this down to Jack Nicholas. And what I saw from Jack Nicholas was, kid, I couldn't give three <laughs> shakes. And he was like, yeah, well, that's great. Uh, go on over there and, and take care of your scorecard and come back. We got some things for you to he do. Was like, and I really <laughs> felt bad for DeChambeau in that minute because he, he was just looking to make conversation with Jack Nicholas. He was kind of like, hey, mom and dad are talking. Go color. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bryson does talk about how Jack personally called him and gave him an exemption two years ago to the memorial. And because he had that history of playing the golf course behind him, he, he credits that for his victory. Gotcha. So, I'm I mean, a, so he's probably just thanking him for the exemption he gave him two years ago. Well, so apparently, the, apparently the first win that he got two years ago, he it's the same thing. Two years prior, he had gotten an right. exemption. That's why he was drawing the correlation. Jack couldn't have cared less. You it know was, how good David sad. Kaplan is lining up your putt? He's exceptionally good. Like a, a lot of my made putts. Or because David Kaplan says Kaplan is only exceptional at lining up putts at Stanford Muni. He says hit it here and the ball just magically goes in. But I think Tiger might need you right now, David. Yeah. Hey, Tiger, uh, from 50 to 125 yards, he averaged 7.9 feet from the hole. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And And then the fact that he couldn't convert those putts is kind of ridiculous, too. Inside five feet, he finished nine under. If he makes all seven of those putts, and normally when you win a golf tournament, you don't miss inside six feet for the yes. whole week. So if he makes all seven of those putts, he wins by one stroke. Got it. So how is he missing like four footers? Like what's know. going on? I watched Saturday's round, and he kind of got it going. He was he was missing everything at the end of Friday's round. And he kind of started that way Saturday. Then he made an eagle on five, and he was really rolling. He comes to the fourteenth, hits it three feet from the hole, and doesn't <laughs> doesn't even touch the hole from three feet. And he made the comebacker, which was four feet. Uh, and then he three-putt 16 and 18. I mean, he should have been 12 under after Saturday's round. And he ends the golf tournament nine under. I think he gets near the lead, and I think it's between his ears. He gets near the lead, and he, he tightens up also. 
and he can't make putts. He can't hit a fairway. I mean, he was striping the fairway every shot. When, when he was out of contention or just casually playing, everything down the middle, everything 10 feet from the hole. And then all of a sudden, he, he's up there tied at 11 under in the lead, and he can't do anything. So I, I think he's just got to overcome that. And that's it's an obstacle all golfers face. And it's been four years since he's had to do it. All right, I have two questions for you that don't relate to Tiger Woods. Right. First of all, I want to know how it is. We, we talk about guys, we've talked about Michael Vick and the fact that Michael Vick has gotten a second chance is back as a commentator and a talking head. Uh, Ray Lewis is a guy who, you know, was responsible for homicide. He's got a microphone in front of him. And America at this point in time, Roseanne has been canceled for some tweets she made. They're, they're working on come, having her come back. Got it. Samantha B. Maybe canceled on TBS for some stuff that she said about the president. But I'm watching coverage of the memorial this weekend, and one of the premium primetime advertisers throughout the tournament is RBC. Who's the spokesperson for RBC? I don't know. Dustin Johnson. Oh, Dustin Johnson. Yeah. How? Well, they got a, he's got a few of them. How? Yeah. Can that be? And I left, and I told my wife and related just a little bit of the story. And I'm not going to rail on Dustin Johnson, except that he is a co-kid who's been failed multiple urinalysis, been basically kicked off tour, had affairs with two different players' spouses <laughs> while he was on tour. And this guy is a spokesperson for an international financial conglomerate and has other deals. I, it's just amazing to me. If you can hit it 350, man, roll with it. But, but here's the thing is it's not as though Dustin Johnson is a dominant guy. What the, what the PGA has been able to do throughout the course of time is unless it's Tiger Woods and he gets busted and, you know, is plastered across every publication in America, anything else that happens with these golfers, they spin and their communications machine is money. Oh, yeah. And they, they, they kind of self, self-regulate. Oh, they absolutely do. And if you go and you look for – details and facts about the infidelity and Dustin Johnson, it's very difficult to get down and get names because everybody just kind of plays. It's as if it's, you know, baseball coverage from the 40s, you know, where Babe Ruth, you know, Joe DiMaggio, those guys, guys, they could do whatever they wanted to. They were off limits. You just didn't talk about that stuff, and the PGA is still there. And it's bizarre that in 2018 where nothing is sacred, (coughs) And in the Me Too movement and all the rest of this stuff, that Dustin Johnson can be such a bad human being. Well, it's because unless and you're still hurting in those bucks, I think unless you're hurting somebody else, people just don't care. Like if you're doing it to yourself, now tell, tell those guys' wives. One yeah, of the marriages that, is over but, because of it. Chicks did the long ball. Oh, hi yo. Hey. Well, because get in the hole. Well, and, and we don't actually, focus on the past, you know. I also think Bill he's Cosby. Very, I think he's also very likable. <laughs> and apparently he is. Yeah, yeah he's the life of the party. I love it. Keep him away from my wife, of right. course. I, it's know, not like it is what it is. I just think that it's interesting that, you know, different circumstances are, you know, for different folks. Where you're listening from, the Chief Seats, we'll see you on the other side and uh, talk a little bit more golf. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will. 
solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, so coming back in, and we're talking about the double standard as it applies to Dustin Johnson versus, you know, Samantha B or whoever out there is in the press right now. But Brandon, you may have heard him during the break talking about Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman is another one of these guys that has gotten a pass. The whole Me Too, how, I don't know how he's made it I'm out of Dude, this alive. I said, don't. But, but I, said, I said yesterday. Go, go ahead, Trent. You do not mess with Morgan Freeman. That's because Morgan Freeman you has gotten to play the president. Die. He's gotten to play God. And people look at him. And I think that there are kids in our elementary school education system right now who think Morgan Freeman has been president. So Morgan Freeman's on a different planet. But Brandon calls me about this and he's like, what's the allegations against Morgan Freeman? And I'm like, dude. And Bricky, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I told him, black people have known Morgan Freeman's messed up for a long time. Yeah. There you go. This is news. And I spent a lot of time in central Mississippi, south central Mississippi, down in the Hattiesburg, Laurel area, which is where Morgan Freeman's from. He's from Laurel, Mississippi. I've known that dude is out there for a very, well, very, Morgan very Freeman long time. Morgan Freeman spent his time in prison, and we for, we forgive him. Once he got out of Shawshank, you guys forget about it. <laughs> All his negative <laughs> stuff. I, I thought you were going to tell me something about Morgan Freeman. I didn't know. That was nicely done. Is that not what I told you? I was like, dude, black people have known about Morgan Freeman he's for a like, long time. He's like, get busy harassing women or get busy yeah. dying. <laughs> hey, Morgan, why do they call you red? Maybe because I'm Irish? I don't know. <laughs> what? I don't know. But, yeah, Morgan Freeman, we, he will make it through this unscathed. I, I assure you. Dude was on Sesame Street. He I, better. He's not going anywhere. I mean. He better. It, it, the, Morgan Freeman kind of came into everybody's consciousness, I think, nationally in Glory, which is a great movie. It sort of propelled the careers of Morgan Freeman and Denzel Washington. And then Driving Miss Daisy, year, dude. That was the same year. Driving yep. Miss Daisy. And Morgan Freeman went from there to play God and the president and all that. He's kind of the go-to guy. And he is America's, he's America's statesman. Mm-hmm. He's going to make it through this. He's going to be all right. He didn't do nothing. That's why he's going to make it through oh, this. Oh, God. Yeah. That's what sorry. they all say in Shawshank. They didn't I'll do never, it. I'll never do believe it. it. You know? No. Sorry. Oh, well, fair enough. <laughs> I think he's going to end up on a beach in Mexico. <laughs> That's the, He's probably there right now. Oh, yeah, Morgan. Probably. Morgan Freeman. Who's Morgan next? Freeman. Uh, matter of fact. My business partner and I talked about we're going to start the We're Next movement. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. It's only a matter of time. And I'm not trying to make light of it. Maybe we shouldn't start a Wikipedia page for you because then it just raises the consciousness. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that time. I remember that time. Yeah. I'm not trying to make light of these situations. No. uh, But just a lot of things coming out of woodworks. Well, one of the things that came back into our consciousness is that Roseanne's a little crazy. Right. Now, I I do have to say this. 
But the lady she was talking about looking like a character from the Planet of the Apes, not the worst description ever. And it had nothing to do with race because I'm not even sure that the lady is a black lady. I don't know. And maybe it's not something you want to commit to Twitter if you're, you know, a celebrity of of Roseanne's magnitude. Only if you're the president. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, This dude. This dude in his Twitter account, man. I I, I just don't get it. And, And I'm here to tell you, the economy, dude, it's in great shape. Yeah. It really is. And in Raleigh, I, I told my wife the other day, you finally have no clearer definition ever of Republicans versus Democrats. People say all the time, well, you can take you know half a dozen of them and six of them and throw them in a bag and spill them out, and there really isn't any difference. But right now, the debate in Raleigh about the budget is that the Democrats are like, well, wait a minute. we got to spend everything we collected. And the Republicans right. are like, no, 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 no. Let's we're going to hold yeah. half a billion dollars in reserve. That's the difference. Yeah. If we got it, we got to spend it. And if you're on that side of the fence, you're yeah. like, well, yeah, you know, infrastructure projects, we can invest it back into the economy or whatever. And the Republicans are like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't need to spend all that just because we have it. Clear, couldn't be a clearer difference. Well, they had, uh, what, a 6% increase for teachers in the budget? Yes. And, That's great. Uh, yes, it's awesome. And then and Cooper said uh, – well, I want a 5% increase, and he didn't know that their budget was going to include a 6% increase. Go, oh, no, no, I need a 9% increase. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I get it. Teachers need more money. There's no yeah. doubt about that. So I, I think that's great. But. Yeah, so, and how about Clay Thompson? You know, he came back and played real well in game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson. <laughs> I, you he know did. what? Kudos to Clay. And, and here's the thing is it shows – Maybe it's a, a product of youth and resilience. High ankle sprains, bad injuries, it's a tough one. Yeah. Anybody that's ever had a high ankle sprain, it's one of those things that doesn't sound like a big deal until you get one. You're like, oh, gone. Dude, and a wide receiver in football, away. they're out like a month. Yeah. yeah. This guy didn't miss a game. And, and you take that and you look at it relative to Chris Paul pulling a hammy. Another one of those things, if you've never done it, you're like, oh, pulled hamstring. What's that? And then pull one. I'm like, oh, my God. But – the fact that Thompson, round-the-clock treatment, able to come back out, play the way he did, Paul not, those were the differences in those ball games, or, you know, perhaps. In both the ball games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, good good job, Clay Thompson, getting back on the floor. They've made the Golden State Warriors have managed to make it through without Andre Iguodala. I do think Cleveland's going to get at least one of these in Cleveland. I think that in either game four – or game three, you're going to see Golden State take the foot off the throttle just a little bit because I think they'd really like to go home to clinch. Uh, but at the same time, I made the point earlier, Boston beat the brakes off of Cleveland twice it in is. game one and two and then ended up losing the series. Don't bet against Well, in LeBron. game three, though, what, Cleveland won by 30. Yeah, they, they blew them out. So we'll see how this game The difference goes. was uh, that the Boston team – Throughout the playoffs, and even for part of the regular season, really struggled to shoot the ball on the on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't expect the same thing from Golden State. But here's my issue, Bricky, with Golden State, and I want to hear what you have to say. Two things. This is a two-part deal. Oh, wait a minute. Before I do that, I was going to ask you two golf questions, and I only got to let's one. Get, let's go back to golf. I need a clarification. Smooth. In the playoff, Kyle Stanley, playoff. Kyle Stanley yeah. sputtered off the tee. Right. Came up to 18 and was chipping for par. Correct. Almost made it. That's my question. He was chipping for par. He was off the green, chipped it up there. 
ball rolling just a little bit off center, hit the pin, popped out, rolled past. Can you tend it? Can you tend it? You cannot tend it unless you're on the green. You can only tend it if you're on the green. Right. So his okay. caddy cannot handle the flag unless he's on the green. That was what I wanted huh. to know. Yeah. See, I thought it was – I was. You thinking can't it was, tend it from 200 yards. Probably be cool if for you the could. safety of the caddy. Dave, you're a veritable – cornucopia of golf knowledge. Yeah. I bet you you're hacking the trivia game, aren't you? <laughs> no, not really. I thought if like if you're on the fringe on and you're putting. Not on the fringe. Huh. You have to be on the green to I be on the have broken that. I'm going to have to go back to every one of my scorecards. I think when, see, you, honestly, when, when you play, I don't think it matters. See, Dave, I honestly <laughs> thought, and, and this is an education for folks out there, I honestly thought that you could not tend it on the green and it either had to be in or out. No, you can tend it on the green. I, I'm glad you taught me that. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, you think you got a hundred foot putt, you can't see the cup. I got. See you. what we got. We, we got someone calling to get a rules clarification. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad but that you clarified that because I, I, my I, thought at the time was, why did he not have his caddy tending that? Because had they right. been able to pull the pull the pin, it might have helped. Out. It may have. Yeah. Um, the you know interesting thing about that playoff, know. the first one. Now, obviously. My golf game doesn't involve the green very often. <laughs> or rules. <laughs> Obviously, uh, DeChambeau played the third playoff hole perfectly. But up till that point, they were sloppy. But then you saw how good they were when they got around the green. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All three I mean, of them. You, yeah. I mean, just unbelievable short game shot. Yeah. Was DeChambeau the- once Constantinople? <laughs> <laughs> and, and incidentally, he hit the ball throughout the whole golf tournament. He absolutely did. But he got up well, and down everywhere. But I thought that the playoff was a, was a prime example of where the good. strength of those guys lay because all – I mean, chipping the ball, money. On, oh, as a yeah. matter of fact, on that final hole, almost chipped in from an impossible Yeah, that was position. a nice little Phil Mickelson But I really wish they'd have made him play it off the platform against the ledge and the umbrella. That would have been Where's like uh, – That would have been Happy yeah, Gilmore. The Happy Gilmore-esque. Yes. Where the, the tower fell on the green. Yes. By the way, he would have been able to clear that. Even once in old. The real rules. Was once New Amsterdam. <laughs> what are you? I've got They Might Be Giants going through my head now. Oh, my so God. Istanbul wasn't stupid. Sorry, that name sparked that. Uh, you're out of control today. Tacos, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Taco, taco high, man. No it's trans like when you, fat. When you bring in, them donuts. Yeah, no, get them, Taco oh, Bell. Yeah, no trans <laughs> fat in, in tacos, but apparently they're, I don't know. It's all the Good. sand like, and the meat got me. All the sand, sand in the meat. meat. Yeah. Nice. Working. And there we were so working on the Taco Bell drug test. sponsorship. For real, man. I know, Goodness. I'm sorry. So, that was my golf question. Any other golf <laughs> observations before we start talking basketball again? Uh, going back to Tiger's putting a little bit, and this is the last thing I'll leave you with. You remember a couple weeks ago I talked about how he was struggling putting in some term. I can't remember which one it was. He, he's been on and off. Sometimes he's made everything, and sometimes he's been off. But – Putting is the hardest thing to practice when you have a bad back because you're bent over the whole time. Mm. I want you to look at his posture. I saw this, uh, I think, on Golf Central or something. He's more upright. And he used to be the, the best putters in the world putt with their eyes over the ball, on the line of the ball. And his, his eyes are about a foot inside the line of the ball because he's standing more upright. Using the same putter though, hmm. and so I think that might be a little bit of the inconsistency, and and it's obvious to me when he has his speed, when it, which happened a couple weeks ago, his speed was good. He put it great, 
And a couple weeks before that, his speed was not good. He couldn't figure out the speed of, in Charlotte. He couldn't figure out the speed of the greens. And he, he was horrible. And you notice he would come up like an inch short, and then he'd be five feet past. So his speed was struggling again. So I think it's a speed thing and then where his eyesight is over the ball. So and is there a If he can get that cleaned up, he could probably win the you U.S. You said if he, he's using the same putter, so there's a different putter he could change to that would have Well, he, he could make a – yeah, I mean, obviously he'd have any uh, – Did his any, ex-wife any hit him with a putter? Yeah, hit his <laughs> – Maybe that's what it is. He's know. got flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah. All right, you're listening from the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back to the final half hour from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Professor Trent Nichols, and the inimitable Robert Ricky. Brandon and Dave are gone. Brandon wasn't here the last segment. I didn't even realize it. Hang on. <laughs> he missed my singing. Yeah, he, yeah. Lucky him. I'm about to follow him out the door. The Warriors and the Cavaliers. I really, 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 this is the first time in a long time I've been Team LeBron. And I really hope the Cavaliers can find a way to rally the troops, circle the wagons, and pull out games three and four and make a series out of this. I am. It's doubtful that's going to happen. That Golden State team is just really something else. And it's time for us to accept as a sports nation this is one of the best teams we've ever seen in any sport across the board. You might be talking about, you know, the Murderers Row Yankees. This team is awesome. However, here's the observation I wanted to make. And I wanted to include some facts, but I failed facts. to do that. I neglected to do that. Here we go with the facts again. Well, here's the thing, and, and this facts. is we're going to have to kind of work this out on the fly. LeBron's been to the finals eight straight times. Is that correct? Correct. His coaches during that time period. I'm going to, I think I know all of them. Okay. So his first appearance in the finals would have been with Mike Brown as the head coach of the Cavaliers. Is that correct, Trent? Yes. After that, he went to Miami and Eric Spolster was his coach for all of those 
finals runs. Is that correct? Correct. Then his first run back in Cleveland was with Dave Blatt. Is that correct? Yes. And now Tyrone Liu is into the finals again as the head coach for the last three. Yes. Okay. Michael Jordan went to the finals six times, won six championships, had Phil Jackson as his head coach for all six of them. Correct. Jackson went on to L.A., went to the finals three more times, won three championships. Might have even gone to the finals four times. Maybe five. I don't know. How many times did they go to the finals? Anyway, it's immaterial. Here's my point. I think he has 10 rings, doesn't he? It's 12 yeah. rings. 12 rings. Oh, 12 two rings. as a player, though, huh? Or one as a player. One as a player. He one was on the Willis Reed yeah. New York yeah, Knicks, Knicks team. Okay, here's, here's my, my point, though. My point is that LeBron has made these finals runs with four head coaches. All together, combined. How many times have all four of those head coaches made it out of the first round of the playoffs without LeBron James on their team? I'm going to have to say zero. Mike Brown certainly is not. Blatt is zero. Spolster was not there when Miami was good before that. That was Pat Riley. Out of the first round, they've made it into the first round. I'd say zero. That's pretty wild when you think about it. And here's my thing. I am not going to take a single thing away from Ty Lue because just like Phil Jackson had to manage personalities with the Bulls, Ty Lue has to play psychologist and try to prop J.R. Smith back up and keep LeBron focused and mend Kevin Love's feelings and all the rest of that. However, when I watch Golden State and Cleveland play, in game two, I watched Steph Curry – go bananas from three-point range. He was unstoppable. And I thought, you know what, self, you're watching one of the greatest shooters in the history of the NBA. But then I also thought, you know what, self, you're watching a guy basically be in a three-point competition because he's not playing any defense at all on the other end because Cleveland is not forcing him to play any defense on the other end. And it's twofold the reasons for that. First and foremost, Cleveland doesn't play an offensive system that puts pressure on defenders. You basically, as a defensive team, figure out who you're going to put on the isolated offensive player, named LeBron James 90% of the time, and everybody else just sort of stand around and watch because Cleveland doesn't move off the ball. They don't crash the boards. They don't do much. The other piece of that is even if they did have a system and forced Curry to move around – they don't have a physically gifted enough player that is going to run Curry around enough to make him expend any energy. Except that they do have one. They may even have two. Jordan Clarkson is a gifted athlete. There is no doubt about that. He's lost his shooting touch. His stroke is gone. But I think there's value if you put him into the game, just having him run Curry into the ground. The other guy, though, and this is where I have a problem with Tyron Lue, Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood is a young, proven scorer. He's athletic. He's quick. He moves well without the ball. He can get hot. He can hit from deep. He can take you to the 10. 
He's the type guy that I think could put pressure on Steph Curry. I don't think that Lou's failure, as it applies to Rodney Hood, started in the finals. You walk back a little while before, you know, down the road, and we're talking about, well, this is a kid that refused to check into a game because he was butt hurt because he hadn't gotten any minutes. When it counted, there's something that went wrong with their relationship shortly after Hood was traded to the Cavaliers. Honestly, when you look at the quality of players that they brought in, the hall that included Larry Nance Jr., Jordan Clarkson, George Hill, and Rodney Hood, honestly, Rodney Hood is the closest thing to a legit building block in that group of players, I thought. You can make an argument perhaps for Larry Nance Jr. if he gets his gets his stuff together, but Larry Nance Jr. is one of those new school guys who is long and athletic, except that he can't shoot. And if you can't shoot in today's NBA, you're very limited on how much pressure you're going to put on your on your on your defenders. So, my problem with Lou and the Cavaliers is this breakdown that's got them into a situation now where they have no confidence in Hood. Hood has no confidence and belief in the teammates around him, and he's just sort of biding his time, waiting to be traded, released, or play in a post-LeBron Cavaliers system. That, to me, is the difference between having a Steve Kerr-level head coach, a Phil Jackson-type head coach, a championship-level coach, because to have an asset with that much ability and not figure out how to make him part of your system and make him productive, that is a failure of the head coach. As a former head coach and future head coach, and actually current head coach, if you, if you really want to get down to the bottom of it, Tell me where I'm wrong, Rob. I agree with some of what you said, but the majority of the onus falls on the player. It's up to the player to give the coach confidence to be able to put him in the game in situations and, and know what to do with that guy. So, like I said, in in Utah, I think – there was a system in place where he could fit in and he could shine. But they had a lot of movement, they, a lot of cuts, screens. In Cleveland, LeBron has the ball. Everybody has to play off of LeBron. So, and him not checking in, wanting to go in the game that time, makes me think he's mentally weak and he's not a tough guy. So, I think in this series, you they've got to ugly it up some. He's not that guy. I don't know if any of those guys are that guy. Two years ago, they every time Curry touched the ball, he got bumped or checked. They, he got no easy open looks. He took 17 threes last night. 17. And hit nine of them. <laughs> Good God. I mean, so the fact that you – think you're open 17 times, <laughs> says something about the lack of defense. So, and I, and again, and I'm not ad, um, advocating dirty basketball. Somebody needs to foul somebody hard, intentionally. I'll take it. Not dirty, but send a message. Well, you know, Cleveland's got a bench full of guys they otherwise don't want to use. Yeah. So why not send somebody in there to hammer him? Ante Zizic, come on down. 
Come in there and put a body on somebody. Put a body on some. Okay, worst. Okay, you do something to Draymond Green. You know he's going to retaliate. Yep. He may not be in the next game. I like it. I mean, again, I'm not trying to advocate for dirty pool here, but two years ago they won a World Series because they got physical with Golden State. I hear you. All right. So the the other part of that, I guess, is that you've got Curry who sets a finals record with nine threes. And that is the story because it's easy to latch on to. To me, the story for game two was how bad Cleveland's defense was in the first quarter. I don't know in a finals game or a game of that magnitude in basketball where I've ever seen a worse performance on one side of the ball. Golden State was perfect in the paint. And that little, it wasn't even a pick and roll. It was sort of a pick and slip that they were running. And Cleveland, no timeout, no reaction to it, no change in communication. And Golden State just ran it to death. And in the end, JaVale McGee and Sean Livingston end up 11 for 11 from the field. But when a team starts a dozen for a dozen in the paint and can shoot the three, and you're not killing it on the offensive end, it's amazing that game was as close as it was going into the fourth quarter. Statistically so. speaking, the only difference between the two teams was field goal percentage. Golden State shot 57, Cleveland shot 41. The rest was a wash. But like you say, you let them get off to some easy layups in the first half at home. Now they're feeling good. So now the threes, the baskets are a little bigger. You know, you can't do that. And got to give credit to Steve Kerr because it's hard to run an offense against a team that switches everything. But that's how you beat it. You slip screens, but you got you to gotta find cutters. Yeah. And if you can do a good job of that, you'll get wide open shots. Gotcha. Now, speaking of dirty sports, Trent, the Anthony Rizzo slide into home plate. Did you see the video? I – I have not. Oh God! You know, you do know that you do a sports radio show, yes, on a weekly basis. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk about it in the final segment. <laughs> but I need you to pull up the video because I know Rob hadn't seen it. Rob can look at it too, and we will make the call on the other side of the break. Dirty, not dirty. I know where I stand on it. Uh, I'm be interested to see what you guys think. Um, in between now and then, well, let's talk about your 5K mud run. Do you want to talk about the 5K mud run? I think I think you ought to let the people know. Now, was oh. it a charity event? It was a charity event. It was to raise money for San Lee Middle School. Uh, I think specifically for their athletic department to do some stuff over there. Tom Thomas Harrington or Tommy Harrington uh, put it together. He's the uh, one of the coaches. I think he's the athletic director at the school as well. Put it together. It was on the RA Rush course out on St Andrews Church Road in Sanford. And I thought when my wife explained this to me, it was going to be a little homemade thing, maybe some hoses, whatever. No, this is a full on legit course uh, with climbing obstacles, the barbed wire. I'll, I'll show you so some photos. So it's like tough mutter. It was yes. Okay. And uh, this is not the first one I've done. This was challenging. It was a lot of fun, and. I got beat to the finish line by a significant number of 6th and 7th graders. I am not ashamed to admit that. However, I do have to say, and I love my wife with all her heart, that we didn't go 
a hundred percent all out. We were kind of waiting on some folks that we started as a group and we wanted to finish as a group. So, but we had a great time. It was a blast. Went out. It was a great way to spend a Saturday morning. And I did tell Coach Harrington that uh, if they do this again next year, we'll have to partner up with them and and see if we can't blow this up a little bit. So it's a good time. We'll see. You got 15 minutes left. Check us out on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to the final segment of From the Cheap Seats. First things first, Wednesday next week, we'll be back doing trivia at Libations. This coming week is Music Bingo, I believe. Music Bingo. Um, The following week, we will be back at Libations, and I need a category, Trent. Give me a category. Competitive eating. Competitive eating it is. Yes, definitely. Competitive eating will be one of the categories next Wednesday at Libations. If you're anywhere in Central Central North Carolina, come on down. Libations right in the middle of downtown Sanford. Have a couple of beers with us. Hang out. There's cool prizes. Uh, Be giving away payment towards your bar tab. There'll probably be some gift certificates to the best restaurant in the entire state of North Carolina, the Steel Pig. So come on and check it out. We have a lot of fun with that. So over the weekend, actually it's almost a week old, but Anthony Rizzo has taken a lot of heat um, for a slide he made into home plate with the bases loaded against the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's been all over the place. Mm -hmm. Trent, you've seen the slide. You've seen the outcome. You know the rules. What's your take? It was clearly... An illegal slide. Robert, I Brickey. agree. That was an int- that would be an intentional foul in basketball. Now, what you guys flagrant two, flagrant two. What you guys didn't see was first of all Anthony Rizzo <laughs> saying that he felt it was a clean play that you have to go hard to break up the double play. But what was worse about it, or I'm, I'm torn on this, Joe Madden who everybody is anointed as America's baseball coach. You know, he seems to be everybody's favorite guy. Came to the defense of Rizzo and and said very clearly, kids watching at home, this is how you play the game. This is how you slide in to break up a double play like that. And I'm thinking, we've just reset all the rules at home plate so that the catcher can't block the baseline for fear of injuring the player sliding into home. We've tried to eliminate collisions. This guy clearly goes in going after the legs of Diaz on the play. I mean, he almost slid in the infield grass yes. to hit him. I mean, it was ridiculous how far outside of the baseline. Now, let me tell you something. As a avid, you guys know I'm a big Cincinnati Reds fan. The Reds and Pirates have had a feud going that's lasted about three years now. And between the two teams, 
their series lead the league in hit batters. <laughs> Clint Hurdle doesn't play. Anthony Rizzo's going to get hit once a game for the next season and a half. I, I promise you it's going to happen. If I'm Joe Madden, I need to take that into account because Hurdle, they will throw at Rizzo. He doesn't know what he started. And the fact that he came out and defended it, Clint Hurdle is a tough guy. He's an old school baseball guy. And I know, I'm not speculating, I've seen what's gone down between the Reds and the Pirates for the last few years. Count on it. I mean, what would have happened if a pirate guy did that to the Cub? The well, whole world would have exploded. Here's the, here's the issue, is that Madden tries to liken this. Oh, this is old school baseball. This is just good, hard baseball. No, because old school, good, hard baseball included getting brushed back. Yeah. Now, if you throw anywhere near somebody, you're getting warned and then you're out. So you've taken the, the equalizer away where guys can do things like this with impunity, I'm telling you right now, Rizzo's going to get hit multiple times in the next year and a half. I, I promise. They will not forget this. They will not let it go away. Um, and I think he should, frankly. I hope he doesn't break a wrist. I hope he doesn't get hit in the face. I hope nothing untoward happens. But I hope he, they get his attention because it was a garbage play. What did MLB say about it? MLB said it was clean. They reviewed it and said no harm, no foul. No, they said it was illegal. Oh, they did after yeah. the fact. After the umpires after on the, the field yep. ruled that it was... They came back out and said it was an illegal slide. And what's that mean? Was there a fine? Was there a suspension? No. Oh, well, there you go. That, to me, almost had intent to injure, which I think deserves a fine and or suspension. You could not find a more vulnerable position for a player to be on or be in on a baseball field than Diaz was completing that throw to get hit from a blind side like that, it's a garbage play. In a safe place that he thought that's where the catchers now are told to go. Absolutely. Safe. And the and the the part that really irritates me about it is, you know, Buster Posey got his leg broken, all the rest of that stuff. But the rules at the plate have been put in place not to protect catchers. They were to protect base runners coming in so the catcher couldn't cover up the baseline because you back in the day a play at the plate you weren't safe until you fought your way through that catcher bulldozer diaz didn't stand on the plate he didn't try to take a knee and block the plate he stepped forward back almost onto the grass to get out of the way and for rizzo to go after him like that it's bush league and i hope rizzo gets plunked for it and rizzo was out and they were up three nothing it's not like it was zero zero gotcha Ridiculous. I think it's. I, I just think it's. Garbage. I hope he does, though. I hope they plunk him. I hope he has bruises in the same spot in the back of it. Not hurt. Not injured. Not, you know, whatever. Like you said, just play the game, Clint. Do it. Yeah. I mean, when you allow, it's it's almost you like an old economy. school. It's almost like an economy. We when the you. government gets in and starts regulating things, things break down. Got you. They're broken. When you let the players regulate it themselves, and by that I mean brushing folks back. Spiking folks on the base path. It's amazing how things, you know, take care of themselves. But Big Brother's over there trying to, you know, be the be all and the end all. And we were having a conversation, too, about the Durant charge, no charge call in game one. Part of what officials 
in big league sports and at every level have to do is they have to be able to make up for calls. They know they blow a call now and again, and then they you get it back on the other side. Baseball keeps flirting, and we're on a collision course with an automated strike zone. It's, it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to happen in our lifetime. They will have a robotic eye calling balls and strikes. I would venture to guess within five years it'll be experimented with down in the minor leagues, and at some point it will become the norm. I'm going to tell you, I don't like it on a, on a variety of levels, not the least of which that different strike zones are part of the game. But the other piece of it is in a blowout, when it's 12-1 to in the eighth inning, one of the things that happens naturally is the strike zone expands so that we can get this game over with and get on out of here. Yes. The robotic automated strike ball caller, it's not going to happen. So when you're down to the very last pitcher in your bullpen who can't find the strike zone for anything, it's just going to stretch games. And hasn't isn't isn't what MLB is trying to do is speed up games in the first place? Yeah. I just uh, – I think it's a bad idea. Maybe and they I'm, can have a guy sitting there and zoom in, make the strike zone smaller, <laughs> zoom out, make it bigger. Now, if it's adjustable, that just – I mean, you already got folks stealing signs. You remember back in the Twins when they went to the World Series back in the 80s and there were always questions about them manipulating the air currents with the air conditioning, <laughs> whether or not they were stealing signs with cameras in yeah. the in the, in the uh, in the scoreboard. Uh, baseball is a cheater's paradise. And if you have the ability to manipulate that little machine and do the rest of that stuff, now you you gotta you can't have anybody out there maintaining control like that. I don't so, uh, speaking of America's pastime, Stanley Cup Finals. Talk quick. Listen, got a couple minutes. This is the thing. I know everybody in the world is rooting for the Golden Knights. Go back and watch a highlight clip of Alex Ovechkin celebrating on the bench every goal that's scored by the Capitals. If you are not almost moved to tears, it's like watching a child at Christmas. He is so pure and so excited. It just makes you fall in love for the passion. And I'm all in, all caps, baby. I want him to get that cup because that experience of him living that joy would melt anybody's heart. So a multi-multi-millionaire, potential NHA Hall, NHL Hall of Famer, you feel that excited for him because his life you, has sucked so bad up to this point. Your whole life you've playing. worked for one goal and you're that there. I got you, you man. get it, man. John, I mean, everybody breaks down. You win that major thing that you've strived for, I'm rooting for him. I got you. And I think, that, I think that Vegas captured everybody's attention. I think that them losing the Stanley Cup – might be a more fitting end to the story. Yeah. Because if they win it, you know, where do you go from there? Uh-uh. You know, they're not going to run off. That team's not talented enough that it's going to run off three or four cup runs in a row. So maybe coming out as the Darlings who were that close in that first year, you know, it has a um, major league, the movie. You know, it has that kind yeah. of feel to it. Well, it has like the miracle on ice. The United States didn't win the gold medal. Nobody remembers that. You know, they won the bronze medal in that Olympics when they beat Russia. That's not true. No, they didn't win the gold uh, medal. Yes, they did. No. they Yes, they 100% did. Not on the miracle they of didn't win. They didn't win the gold medal in that game, but they went on in the next game to win the gold medal. I don't yeah. believe that you got that wrong. We'll yeah, I believe you're a little off there, Trent. I know, Trent, and I get some hockey stuff. Oh, 
No, essentially what they did was secure the bronze medal in that win against Russia, or the Soviet Union, rather. But they did win the gold medal the next day. But it wasn't that wasn't the gold medal game. Yeah. No, it was okay. not you the gold medal right. game. Right. And the other th- well, the other okay. thing that most people do not know is that it was not the semifinal game. The Olympic hockey back then, even in the last round, was a round robin. So it wasn't technically a semifinal game. Yeah. But they did need to win the following night against Finland. S- oh, I was going to say Sweden. No, I think it was Finland. I didn't know. To win the gold. Dang yes. It. I'm stunned. Oh, sorry. I'm stunned. I was, I was three. Jeez. In 1980, I was. It was 1980 three. after all. See, yeah. that's interesting, and that's that's a difference in. It, it, we're not a generation apart, but I know exactly where I was when that happened, what I was doing, and how it impacted me at the time. You remember that beating Finland? Yes, yeah, they went on to win the gold medal yes. against Finland. But this, right. and this will impress people at parties. That was not the semifinal game that they won against the Soviet Union. It was a round robin. Um, they had to secure. The, the gold with the win the next couple of days later. The other thing I'm curious to see, if you were Golden State, what are you going to do next year? You potentially could have Durant and Clay Thompson. Their contracts are done. Ah, Durant I, may Durant has an option to uh, to opt out this year. I think if I'm, if I'm Golden State this year, I'm trying to do more than a one-year deal with Durant so that we've got some predictability as it applies to the cap. Um, I'd be trying to lock him up for two or three years. So you would the, take Duran over Clay? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you're talking about one of the best five or ten players ever versus a really nice player. All right, we'll do this again next week. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, get ready. We'll have some announcements coming about other places you can see the show. I'm Chris Lambert. We bid you adieu. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.